You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert, and I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails, speak to authors of books which I find fascinating, and today is going to be a very interesting show. We are going to talk about, we're going to discuss Tiger Woods, because he's been all over the news, everyone's been discussing him, so... Why not uh, jump on the bandwagon, huh? And uh, we're going to be discussing uh, about how women, women in particular, sabotage their relationships. And uh, the title is, the title of the book is Sex, Lies, and Sabotage. And I will bring the author on right now. Hello, Pamela. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, Lucia. I'm doing very well. How are you? Wonderful. So this is Dr. Pamela M. Zimmer. Correct. (laughs) Got the name right. (laughs) That helps. You got the name right. Yes. We're off to a good start. And of course, the book is uh, Sex, Lies, and Sabotage, uh, From Relationship Sabotage to Relationship Transformation. And Mm -hmm. a little bit about her. Uh, She's a psycho-spiritual therapist, which I think is wonderful. Uh, and Thank an, you. an intuitive and a metaphysical healer. She holds degrees in psychology and education and a doctorate in metaphysics and parapsychic science. Don't know what that is, but that sounds good. It does sound good. <laughs> <laughs> wish, wish, wish I could say that about myself. <laughs> I'll go get a degree. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, right. Uh, and she founded the Human Relations Center for Women in 1989. Well, where did you get your doctorate? Maybe I can get one too. <laughs> It was the American Institute of Holistic Theology. Uh-huh. Uh, they're located in Alabama. Okay. And uh, actually, I did it all through uh, correspondence. And now they probably have it um, hooked up with the computer. But when I did it, it, it we I think we just did it directly through. They mailed me the exams. I mailed them back the um, the answers. Uh-huh. It was kind of like that. And then at the end, you have to write a uh, dissertation. Okay, so just from doing that online, then you can get a PhD? In, in this case, I, I was able to. It's an accredited school, and uh, you'd be surprised to find out that a lot of uh, well-known people actually got their PhDs from this university. All right, well, email me later. later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, it's really in-depth than involved. Oh, I'm sure it's not, it is. Oh, you know, I know, it's not simple because you don't have to go sit in a class. Right. No, no, I know. But, yeah. yeah, but I knew for myself at that point, I already, yeah. I had a master's, and I felt that I wanted a PhD, but I didn't want to do it the traditional way. Yes. 
And I also had my fill of just going for psychology, and I felt that I needed something more in line with my spirituality and my uh, metaphysics. So that's why I, I it, it's actually it found me. Something showed up in, in the mail right. at the right time, and it was like, oh my god, this is perfect. See, I just want to be called Dr. Lucia. That's the only reason I want to get. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very egotistical. Um, okay, so. Can I call you Dr. Lucia now? Go ahead. <laughs> Dr. Lucia. In, 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 in anticipation of my forthcoming PhD. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so why did you write this book? <laughs> Let's get started here. Well, okay. Actually, I wrote this book because for the past 20 years, I have been uh, doing psycho-spiritual therapy with women, and they have shown up demonstrating all sorts of patterns that were not looking so different after a while. Although they had somewhat different stories to tell, it seemed like they kept engaging in the same patterns that I noticed uh, were actually designed to, to sabotage themselves and their relationships. And they seemed unconscious of it. It seemed that they thought they were in their natural flow, and mm. this was just Part what of... they had to do in their relationships. Yeah. And they were really unaware of what they were doing that was self-destructive. Yeah, they thought this was all just part of relationships. They thought it was part of relationships, and, you know, often they were blaming the man, which led to the generation of male bashing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that we all know of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, so I decided, because if you notice, that era of male bashing did not lead to a solution, actually. No. Nothing got solved that way. No. So I realized that how about if I tell women how to take responsibility for their lives and their relationships by having them realize where those patterns actually came from, and then now that they're aware of where they came from, now they have a chance to possibly change them if they so desire. But it's also empowering because once you know you're responsible for everything in your life, you have the power to change it. That's right. So, yeah. what is the most common fear in relationships? Uh, for women, most common fear is abandonment. Well, what about for men? <laughs> for men, the most common fear is rejection. Uh, it's not the same thing? It's, re- it's, you know, it's a nuance of the difference. Mm. Uh, abandonment for women means that as long as I believe that you're still here with me, I'm sort of secure and I kind of feel comfortable about the situation. And I say sort of and kind of because we know it's not perfect. Right. But you're here. You didn't leave me. And that for women is so important that they don't get left. Now, of course, abandonment can take place emotionally where the man is physically present, but he left her emotionally a long time ago. That actually is a form of abandonment as well. And a lot of women really feel that. So they feel like he's here, but you know, there's still this big hole in me, like something's really missing. And so then for the, the guys with rejection, they're afraid of uh, getting rejected initially? They're afraid of getting rejected every step of the way, uh-huh. wow. <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it's funny. We got the bad rap as being very sensitive as females, but men are actually far more sensitive than we are, sensitive because of their egos. Mm-hmm. So the slightest thing that you do that makes them feel less than or inadequate feels like rejection to them. So, uh, you know, I have 
kind of like a personal past life experience where I knew that this man coming towards me was supposed to be the man for me, mm-hmm. and yet the way he approached me was very aggressive and very sexual. And at the time, it was not the picture of love that I was open to receiving. So in that moment, I had a visceral reaction that showed up, and he felt that, and that made him actually uh, turn and you know go the other way because he felt the epitome of rejection in that moment, and he could never recover from it. Wow. So, and I say this was a past life uh, uh-huh. situation, mm-hmm. but of course this man showed up in this life as well. Yes, keep showing up. <laughs> to be rejected all over again. <laughs> oh boy, you're really laughing <laughs> he didn't at rejection. get enough. He didn't get enough the first hundred wow. times I did it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, speaking of men being sensitive, okay, so let's say, you know, let's say a woman is mad and upset with a man for something he did, and so yeah. then how should she deal with it? And he knows that she, he was wrong, and he knows that she's upset, so how, if she's not ready yet to forgive and move on, how should she deal with it? Well, I mean, that's kind of general, so I don't know if, if it's something you're saying he really knows he's responsible for, that it's something that he's really feeling is his fault, is yeah, that what yeah, you're... He, yeah, he's, yeah okay. he, he owned it. Well... Now, again, what should she do with it? I mean, she can't, she can't make him change even if he knows it's his fault. She can only make decisions based on what feels right for me and what am I worthy of and what should I accept in my life. So let's say he makes uh, the kind of mistake that a lot of people don't recover from. Let's say he cheats on her. Mm-hmm. Now, he can say he's responsible for that, it's his fault, and he takes the blame, but in that moment, the woman has to decide, is this something I can really get past and accept, or is this something that's going to haunt me forever, and I'll never get over it, and it'll always be a thorn in our relationship, and we'll never actually be able to have the uh, flowing, loving dynamic that I intended to have with this man. Mm. And in that case, you know, I mean, it's really up to the individual woman. It's funny because uh, most women feel in advance, if I'm with a man and he cheats on me, that's, the, that's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. That's what most women believe. In advance. In, adv- in advance. <laughs> and I say that, yeah, Lucia, because in the moment that it's happening, yeah. now so many of my clients show up demonstrating this, that they're experiencing it and they hate it, and they hate him, and they want to hurt him, and all this other stuff going on, but they're not able to walk away. Mm-hmm. So it's not the deal breaker they thought it was. Right. You know, so then they have to decide, okay, what needs to happen in this dynamic that I can feel safe and trusting again, or can I ever, or is this just going to be the new pattern that I have to go through where, and this is unfortunate, a lot of women do this, and I have never been privy to this myself, and I think it's kind of really a negative way to go when women start uh, investigating the man mm-hmm. and um, going through his stuff, mm-hmm. like looking through his emails, going through his wallet for evidence. Yeah. Because I think once you're at that point, you already intuitively know that he's probably not there for you or cheating on you in some way. 
So if you're looking for evidence, you're just really hurting yourself. It's like a low place to be. And in that, in that way, I would say that that woman would be better off separating herself from the relationship, at least temporarily, till she can, you know, kind of come together with herself mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But if, if she feels like this was one instance and she kind of understands that she wasn't giving the attention the man needed and uh, she wasn't really there for him either, if she really has that kind of understanding and doesn't believe it's going to be an ongoing pattern, then maybe it can work out and maybe even cement the relationship to make it even stronger because they went through that together. Right. So, well, we'll talk about cheating again in a bit because I want to ask you about Tiger Woods. But uh, for now, let me me get back to uh, abandonment for a second here. So we talked about, you know, with the fear of women have of abandonment. So is it possible to overcome this fear? My belief is that you have to be so okay with yourself in order to be completely secure in a relationship. Well, who's like that? So, <laughs> what? Who's so okay with themselves that they can be completely secure? <laughs> well, this is why this fear is still prevalent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you caught on. Okay. <laughs> but think of it this way. If I, if I stay connected to myself, and I never leave who I really am, meaning I don't abandon myself, then I don't ever have to feel abandoned by somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. In Mm -hmm. other words, the connection within me is so strong. I know myself. I stay connected to who I really am on on a very essential level, and I'm always there for me. And if that's the case, there's no abandonment taking place inside of me. So if somebody shows up in my life who then technically abandons me, I will be able to recover very quickly because I will realize very soon that that person just didn't belong in my life because he was not equal to the level of lack of abandonment that I was operating in within myself. So when you say that... he, He produced a result that I was not living inside of myself. So he is out of whack with me. Not in alignment with me. How does not abandoning oneself, what does that look like? I would say it starts with really knowing who you are. And again, I mean this on a deep level, meaning your connection to the universe, who you are in your soul, why you came to this planet, what your real purpose is. Also, on on a psychological level, knowing your inner child. You know, I'm sure you've heard that term before, Mm -hmm, inner mm -hmm. child. It's kind of like knowing the, the little girl that's inside of you that you are raising and you are there to take care of her. And it's almost like what you can do, actually, what women can do is turn to the little girl inside of them and really address them as, as a child. You know, really say, you know, little Lucia, I, am, I love you. I am here for you. I will never leave you. And know that when it comes to me, you can be secure. So you have that, and I will never abandon you. And kind of giving that to the child within, it would be a good place to start. Okay. And uh, how's that? How's that feel to you? That, that no, that you know, that's a lot of work. But I don't know if that's the only way. To <laughs> that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to do the work? Hell Sam? no. <laughs> I know. Just get another guy. I know. Um, so, <laughs> what are keep, un- in, keep in mind, I am a therapist. <laughs> I know. I know. Yes. 
a psycho spiritual therapist. Um, a psycho spiritual therapist. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, what are some unrealistic expectations in relationships? He's going to uh, save my life. He's going to make me complete. Uh, he's going to be the be-all and end-all of all of my dreams and desires. He's uh, he's going to be the answer to my every question. It, it, you know, it's really that much that mm. women do put on men in their expectations. Yeah, and it's funny to me because. Have you looked at men lately? You know, if, <laughs> I mean, for real, if you look around at men, why would you put such lofty expectations on them? And, you know, excuse me, any men who might be listening, but let's be real. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and yet women do that. And I say women need to turn around and put those expectations on themselves mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Women really could be that high. And women, if women put those on themselves, then they wouldn't be looking to the man to complete that for them. But then they might find the man that complements those parts that they have now developed in themselves. Right. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. I totally understand. Because a lot of guys, you know, I mean, you, know, you, you always hear, you know, guys are simple. You just, you know, you just got to feed them and, you know, F them <laughs> and, and, you know, and they're happy. And so yeah. and we're thinking they're these complicated people and they're going to save us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I know, it? I know. I mean, you know, they just want to watch the game and have a sandwich, <laughs> most that, of them. That's pretty, and, and have sex after that. Right, right, right. But not, but not during the Never game. Never during, no. Don't even talk no, to them during. No, please don't bother. Okay, please right. get away from the television. You're blocking my view. Yes, and we're not mail bashing here. We're just, you know, sort of no. stating what what we've observed. Well, and the thing is, my book is not about male bashing at all. No, it's no, no. totally putting all the responsibility on women mm-hmm. because th- that's what I was trying to say before, that we get nowhere by putting them down and thinking that it's going to change because we've done that. So it's really up to women to be empowered enough within themselves to create the changes that they want so they can attract the relationships they really desire. It's all up to women. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't uh, so happy. That doesn't sound like a happy response. I know. Huh? <laughs> we, we were hoping it was 50-50, but apparently that's not the case. <laughs> so what... You know, I think, I think if women do this and fully take responsibility for everything, again, A, they'll feel empowered, so it's a win-win for women if they do it. But I think ultimately if you are now with, let's say, the right man at that point in time, he then is going to also take responsibility and join you in, in, in the effort. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not that it's forever up to you. Mm. It's just that for now, in order to make this pivotal change, it's up to you. I mean, I even have clients who I make suggestions. Let's say they you know, tell me a story about what's going on in their relationship, and they tell me what he said and how they handled it, and I immediately see how they handled it is making it worse, not better. Mm-hmm. So I'm addressing them now. You know, I don't have the guy here, just them. And I say, okay, here's how you need to handle it differently. Here's what you could say instead. And here's how you'll feel better about yourself if you present it this way. So I kind of give them that. So now they go back to the same situation, the same guy. And as soon as they start doing something slightly different, it's interesting. If the guy is a good guy, we're mm-hmm, saying, mm-hmm, okay, we're mm-hmm. not talking about, you know, the exceptions to the rule. We're talking about guys that are relatively good guys. They just don't really 
you know, know how to lead the relationship, and yeah. they're hoping the woman does. Right. So if she goes back and makes these small changes, I find immediately there are results, that the man immediately starts responding differently to her because she's giving him not only a different way of being, but she's sending him uh, a better kind of energy. So mm. he's able to receive it and give her back something better. Now, he didn't necessarily really change, but because she was different, yes. he was able to respond differently to her. Right. That sounds yeah. great. Yes. So uh, moving on, what is the difference between a heart-based desire and a fear-based need? A heart-based desire means that you have truly connected with what your heart is telling you is right for you, and you're coming from a place of love. And that's very key, because anything you want to attract into your life that is going to be worth anything to you must come from a place of love within you. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to attract, you know, crappy stuff, actually. So the heart-based desire is coming from love, and it's connected to your higher truth about what you really desire in your life. Mm -hmm. The fear-based, uh, what, what do we call it? The fear-based fear -based desire? or need, need. What do I call it? Need. <laughs> fear-based need. Thank you. No problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have no notes. It's okay. It's okay. I read your book for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes. I wrote it. You don't expect me to remember anything. I know. Well, that's okay. what happens. You write the books and you forget. Okay. So the fear-based need automatically is coming from A, fear, of course, and B, it's coming from the ego. It's something in your ego that's telling you, I should have this. This is, what, this is what they say I should have because I'm this, because I'm that, because I'm a woman, because I'm this age. I should have a man like this. I should have a man who supports me. I should have a man who takes care of me. I should uh, be married immediately, you know, whatever it is. But it's coming from an ego's belief mm -hmm. that this is what I need mm -hmm. and not actually any real truth that's coming from love inside of you. So it's all based on fear because all ego-based needs are coming from fear. And all fear-based needs are coming from ego. It's like you can play it both ways. Right. Well, great. That yeah. makes sense because, you know, I don't know if you know, but, um, you know, I'm a specialist in the cougar relationships. Yes. And a lot of people are very judgmental towards them because they think, well, you know, how dare these women be able to get these younger guys? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it's funny because I, well, I'm not one of those. No. I don't feel that way uh -huh. at all. I actually, my last relationship also was uh, much younger than me. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, but unfortunately, you know, just as stupid. So, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> but I actually, uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I guess I also started feeling that I'm entitled to a young, nice-looking man who's in shape, who's fit, who's uh, in good condition, who's not about to die. Perhaps. <laughs> um, just something in me felt like I feel young. Right. I feel much. I feel much younger than I actually am. I'm not going to say how old I am, but I feel much younger than I actually am inside. And I almost felt like I I'm supposed to have a man who is equal to that age. Mm-hmm. That's right. internal age yes, rather than yes. the external age. Hey, perfect. i got to write that down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yay. <laughs> but that's, I, that's what it was for me. So it's funny because when I was reading about you, 
I was thinking this is so interesting because I would never call myself a cougar because uh-huh. it, it's not like a planned thing for me. It's just something that kind of started taking place that I realized about myself. Yeah. And then I was thinking, well, what is it for me? And that's it's kind of what I just said that internally I'm very young and. So therefore, I mean, and I also look younger than I am, but inter- but I'm saying really the, my internal age is what I want to match. Yes, of course. Yeah. The only problem is men who are my internal age externally, Uh-oh. you know, if they didn't really figure anything out yet for themselves, uh-huh. you know, you know what's going to happen with that relationship. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. So, so you say. So what's your what what's your take on that? By the way. Well, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm leading the cougar revolution. I mean, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. And I, I, so what's I, your, what's your thinking behind it or your feeling behind well, it? Well, it's the same thing. I go, it's not about age; it's about energy. So if your energy is that yeah. of, of someone much younger, then you can't be with someone your age or older. I mean, it would just drive you, bring you down if you were. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's so, good. Yeah, we agree. Uh, okay. So there's, yeah, it's great. Yes. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Now, you say, that, you say that only women can create space in a relationship. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I, I don't know why. It was a risky statement to make. I knew it at the time. Uh-huh. I, I felt it was very true in my core, uh-huh. but I knew if anyone ever asked me to defend <laughs> it, it was going to be a risk. And here I am. <laughs> so thank you, Lucia. Hey, I, I find the gold nuggets, and I bring them out. Yeah, I think that, um, and when I say create space, I mean energetically. I think that women can only create space energetically. I think men create space physically, and that's why they have to go, you know, to their cave (laughs) to be alone, Uh because they need a a physical space to separate themselves from you. Mm -hmm. But women can create space energetically, meaning in a good way and a bad way. Okay, I'll give give the bad way first. In a bad way, meaning... Um, your guy could be sitting in a room with you and you could make a decision that you, you don't want to be connected to this guy at all right now. And you basically want nothing to do with him. Almost he does. You don't want him to exist in that moment. Yet he's sitting there and we are capable of creating the kind of energetic space that will make him feel like the total rejection (laughs) Uh, going back to the rejection thing Uh that will make him feel like he really does not exist for us whether he's conscious of it or not you know we we create that disconnect Mm -hmm. so that's the negative way of using it i really meant it in a positive way though when i said it in the book i mean that um you can create space for your man so let's say you have a situation where you have a man who does need some time in solitude. Let's say every day he comes home, he needs time in solitude. And the typical thing is, like what I said, he goes off to his cave. But instead, if you know how to create space, then he doesn't even have to leave the room, and yet he will still feel like he's having his time in solitude. It's kind of, um, it's kind of like, uh, this is a little metaphysical now. Okay. It's kind of like creating around you as if you were in a big, wide, green meadow, and, and there's all this wide space around you, like you're romping in the meadow. And when you see him or talk to him or he's sitting right, you know, five feet away from you, but yet you feel like there's so much vast space around both of you that there's no crowd here. 
So nothing is crowded. No, there's no energy on top of anybody else's energy. Mm. And what's interesting is if you get good at this, I've had moments where I'm really excellent at this, because then you can feel while you're doing it that he feels so great because he's still in your presence, but at the same time he's having that need met for his uh, uh, desire for space and solitude. Is, and yet he doesn't have to leave you or go to go to his cave to accomplish it. Is it kind of like being in the same room or same uh, building with him and not being focused on him, just being in your own world? You could even be focused. It, you, you can do it that way. You, you can do it that way. Mm-hmm. It could, let's say you're involved in your own stuff. So you're kind of like parallel playing with him. You know, you're, you're doing your thing and he's doing his thing. Yeah. So you're close to each other physically, but you're each involved in two different activities, mm-hmm. which, is, which is actually a very nice thing to do. This is what children learn to do when they're being socialized, that parallel play. It's like you learn this in kindergarten. You know, like you're finger painting next to the person finger painting next to you, but you're doing a similar activity, but you're really not doing it with each other, just mm-hmm. next to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that idea. That's one way to do it. But there is even a way to do it where you are including him oh. in this vast space, but he doesn't feel any pressure from you or any demands being put on him or anything uh, imposed on him. It, he just feels the free open space that is between you two and around, around both of you. It's, uh, I guess it's hard to explain. Yeah. Well, read, <laughs> Is it read making the book. any sense or yeah, no? no. Uh, yes, I'll have to listen back to the show. <laughs> but people can always email you if they want a bigger explanation, or they can, of course, get the book. Um, now, you yeah. also said something which I thought was interesting. You said that men are more emotionally dependent on women, but we all think it's vice versa. Okay. Um... Did I say men are more emotionally dependent or men are more sensitive? No, you said emotionally dependent. <laughs> okay, because women, no, because women are very emotionally dependent, and but that's their downfall. Um, okay, uh, then maybe I did say that. Yeah, you that, said they're, demo- the they're emotionally dependent on women. Okay, well, here's how I'll, I'll explain it. I didn't remember I exactly put it that way, but okay. I'll see <laughs> I have to read my own book, I'll I guess. I'll see if I can find the <laughs> chapter while you're talking about it, but go ahead. That, Say it again? I said, I'll see if I can find the exact chapter while you're talking about it. Okay. Um, Okay, so, well, emotional dependency means that you are responsible for my well-being and my happiness. And the reason I got confused about whether I said men have that more is because a lot of times women go into relationships with that set up in mind, that I'm going to make him responsible for whether I'm okay or not okay, whether I feel well, whether I'm happy or sad, and he then becomes my be-all and end-all for everything I'm experiencing. Well, at the same time, men also uh, feel that way in relationships where what the woman does determines how they're, they're feeling or operating. It's kind of like the... I mean, we're putting it on men, the, the way a man will look at it is you have the power to make me or break me. That would be what a man would be thinking towards a woman, that mm-hmm. this woman has the power to make me or break me. Whereas a woman looks at the man and says, you know, I hold you responsible for my happiness and my well-being, so do the right thing by me. 
So it's a slightly different kind of way of approaching it. But what I believe is that in order for a healthy relationship to be obtained, they actually both have to become emotionally independent. Uh, and, of course, it's the woman who has to accomplish this first because the man can't get there if the woman doesn't get there first. So it's up to the woman to find the way to realize that she's actually responsible for her own happiness and her own well-being. And then you as the man in my life can enhance my life or complement what I'm doing for myself, but I'm not depending on you to make me happy or make me sad. I'm responsible for how I feel. Okay, and by the way, and, yeah, that, yeah. that chapter is under <clears throat> excuse me, emotional independence. Okay. That's the one. All right. And I say and I say men have that more yeah. independence. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I <laughs> I believe you if, if it's in print in my book. <laughs> Maybe it's a misprint. No, just kidding. Uh, now you also talk about um didn't mean to stump you there. Um, you talk about yeah, isn't that funny? I know. You know what? I wrote the book a year ago, so probably a year later, I'm I'm think I maybe have a slightly different way of thinking about it, and that could be sure. You know, when I wrote it, this, this is the mode I was in, and that's how I saw it, and that's the clients I was dealing with. So a year later, I may have a slightly different perspective. Yeah, you know, I have a book too. Whenever I do a radio interview, I always have the book right in front of me, and then they go, "Well, what about this?" And I go, "Hold on," and then I go to that chapter to look. <laughs> Oh really? Well, in case I forget what you know, what you know, we're like, what are the three? Blah blah blah. I'm like, uh. <laughs> I know. I you know, I don't know why people expect you to remember your own book. Yeah, I know. How, <laughs> really, that's crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so I I can't memorize anything. It's like I'm very in the moment and spontaneous. So yes. I I'll say whatever comes to exactly. me as you're asking. But it's very hard for me to. Um, I remember thing, everything people tell me, but I can't necessarily memorize things that I've read in writing. Right, right. Well, that's fine. Well, some people are good at it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, so I always say as a joke, I mean, I wrote the book, but you don't really expect me to remember what's in it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you also talk about... I'll have, to I'll have to reread it again. <laughs> yes, yes. Then we'll do the interview yeah. again. No. Uh, so um, you also talk about women finding strength by being vulnerable. So, again, that's the opposite of how we usually think that a woman should be. So how can a woman find strength in her vulnerability? Well, I mean, I think that it's important that we are in touch with our feelings and we release all of our emotional stuff. So I, what I mean by vulnerability is the idea that you allow yourself to feel everything. And then when emotions come up, you find a way to release them in a safe way. And I say safe, meaning I don't, I don't believe necessarily that you go to the person that you're emotional towards and throw, throw mm -hmm. all that crap at him, mm -hmm. if it's a him. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm saying is really that you find a, a way either by yourself or with a trusted friend or a therapist to release it, and it could be released through some expression of anger. I mean, I've had, I've had people, you know, pounding pillows, uh, people crying till it till they can't cry anymore. People, oh, this was this is one that I created that I really, um, I actually personally love this one. Mm -hmm. You drive 
in kind of like late at night, middle of the night, uh-huh. you drive over a bridge. And jump. Um, <laughs> and the reason I say, no, and not to jump, is it has not. <laughs> Don't get the wrong idea. Uh-huh. Uh, the reason I say late at night and over a bridge is because what you're going to do as you get to the middle of the bridge, first of all, it's late at night, so there's probably no other cars around, and the middle of the bridge, you know, is kind of like, so you're really in this open, big open space, and you Scream at the top of your lungs. Wow. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. This is so powerful. You I've had I've had other women do this. I've actually done it with women in the car with me. And we go like, okay, ready? One, two, three, and we like belt it out. Uh-huh. Because you would be amazed at the power of screaming at the top of your lungs, like what that does. I mean, it's wow. such a release. Wow. It's such a great release. Hmm. Yeah. So that's those are like a few ideas. But it's the idea that if you allow yourself to uh, be in touch with your feelings and even if you let yourself cry, even though a lot of women perceive that as something that makes them weak, I believe the fact that you're in touch and you're releasing actually makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Does that, yeah. do you understand yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So I've had women who show up here, and I I, tell, I urge them to cry, in fact. I'm, I'm saying, you know, you don't seem to express any emotions. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to be weak. I don't want to cry. I don't want to be weak. So they, grew, they were raised with this belief that it makes them weak if they cry. Yeah. So, and then they're surprised if they ever allow themselves to cry that they actually feel empowered afterwards. It's, it's sort of like anything we release that's toxic to us or negative to us, leaves us feeling more empowered after the release. Right. Okay, so yeah. let's all go find a bridge. <laughs> okay, but I wanna I wanna really be clear here. I'm uh-huh. saying in you stay in your car. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now I feel like I oh, really no. have to make this clear. Yes. We, you stay in your car yes. as you're driving over the bridge. This is you're staying safe and healthy and intact right, in your right, car right, right, right. as you're driving over the bridge <laughs> and you scream at the top of your lungs and you can then you continue driving over the rest of the bridge and you're still safe and intact i i really did i get that clear yes and you're um and with the windows closed with the windows closed that's of course because the, the point of this is nobody you don't want anyone to be hearing you right this is what i'm calling a safe release so this is and it's great because you know, there's not too many places where you can scream at the top of your lungs. No. You know, right. I mean, most people don't feel comfortable to do that. I personally have done it in my own house. But then you wonder, you know, if it's loud enough, can the neighbors hear? I exactly. mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. will anybody be calling the police? Exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> so, so, you know, you want to make sure that's why I say in a safe way. But also in terms of just kind of if you have any other emotions to release, if you don't feel comfortable just doing it by yourself, if you can find a trusted therapist that you can really sit in front of and express this stuff to. Mm-hmm. I've had clients that went both ways. They could do it in front of me easily, and or some said, uh, okay, I know what I have to do, but I'll be more comfortable to do it at home by myself now. Mm-hmm. You know, now that you explained it to me, now I can do it by myself. Because they felt maybe they wouldn't show as much if they were doing it in front of me. Right. Okay, let's get, let's get back to the cheating. Yeah. Because, get back uh, to the what? The, to the cheating. Because <laughs> I said we'd the get... The cheating. I said we'd, we'd get back to Which is rampant. It. It's rampant. It, well, it is, especially right now, we know a Tiger Woods in the news. So why do men cheat? Yeah. 
I mean, men are just out of alignment with themselves completely. You know, I think that, I mean, we can break it down to several reasons, mm-hmm. but for every man, I would say probably the gist of it is he needs some kind of attention that he's not getting and some form of attention that he's not able to receive in his current relationship. And to me, even as I'm saying it, that sounds so lame, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's all it takes. Uh But I really think that that's the essence of all of the other reasons, that it's some attention that he's lacking in his life. Remember the thing about, you know, man's number one fear is rejection. Mm -hmm. So you know how many men are married that feel rejected every single day of their marriage? For any reason whatsoever. I mean, she just yelled at me because I didn't take out the garbage. She rejected me. I mean, I once, you know, I once held up, you know, the with your fingers, you make the L sign mm-hmm. for, lo- you know, for mm-hmm. loser. Mm-hmm. Right. I once held, held that up one time to my ex. Uh-oh. One time. Uh-oh. And he had nightmares about it. He told me he had nightmares. Wow. <laughs> wow. He had nightmares after that of, of, like, seeing me do that, you know, and it was it took him so long to get over that because that was, to him, total rejection, mm. you know. So I think that in many different little ways, women are constantly rejecting men, probably because of their own disappointment mm-hmm. that the man is not showing up as who they thought he was right. and not meeting their expectations. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it still feels like rejection to the man. So I think the accumulation of these little rejections makes the man feel underappreciated and he's not getting the the good attention he wants. He's not being seen for the hero that he is, you know, however he wants to think of himself. And I think then he seeks out other situations where his, it's all ego, by the way, it is all ego, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where he's going to get his ego needs met. And these are fear-based ego needs. So it's coming from fear and ego and has nothing to do with love. Even if he starts thinking he's having feelings for the other person, it's really based on what they're giving to him and what they're making him feel that his wife is not making him feel. Well, what about a guy like Tiger, who obviously, you know, he's at the top of his game. Everyone is giving him this adulation and money, uh, and yet he still feels the need to be with multiple women. You know, I I know it's so crazy. I used to have this argument in my head about politicians because I used to say, I don't understand. They got into this public office where they're being seen. They have a certain amount of fame because of it. You know, they have power. Why do they want to use it that way? And and they know they're going to get caught eventually. Or maybe no, maybe their egos are thinking, maybe they're so arrogant that they're thinking they'll never get caught. Right. You know, that they'll get away with it. Yeah. But the thing is, yeah, that probably is true, that their arrogance makes them think they'll get away with it. So maybe it's another power play. Maybe that is what it is. I'm actually figuring it out as I'm oh, talking to you. Oh, glad to help. I'm thinking maybe <laughs> it is another form of power mm, for them. Okay. It's like they conquer on the golf course or the basketball course or whatever, and now they want to conquer off the court or off the You course. know what? Doesn't that make sense? Yes. Hey, we I, it I actually never thought of that before. As I'm talking to you, it's just coming to me that, <laughs> wow, that could be so it. That that's another form of power, and the, and the, it's two parts to it. It's the power of what you just said, conquering, you know, out of out of the public realm, conquering off course, and it's also the power that I get away with it. I don't get caught. 
Right. That's power. Yes. So, so, uh, so it may all be power, which again is all ego driven. Yeah. So it's hard to believe, you know, I don't know, this sounds so naive, but it's hard to believe looking at Tiger Woods up until a while ago that he had it in him to go that way. Well, everybody has it in them. I know, but it's still, it's weird to me. Like, I, I look at certain men, and I'm, I'm surprised. No. It's kind of like, oh, man, wow. Do any of you go above this, or are you all in this? Right. I, I, you know, it's almost like this ego cabal that they all have. It's like they all went to the same class or something that taught them to do this. It's very strange to me that so many men, uh, especially men in the public eye, are, are engaged in this. But now I think that we figure that it's the power thing. I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. Okay. Call, call the press. <laughs> we'll let them know. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it out. Hey. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, you also said that it seems, you know, this is my, you know, I fall into this category that strong, confident women, <laughs> yeah. uh, they always attract weak and passive-aggressive men. So what the heck hmm. is going on? Okay. Something, okay, so you're saying that's true for you, too? Oh, yes. Mm. <laughs> you seem stumped now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I was going to say, well, something in you is not as secure as you're believing, then. Dumb. Because uh-huh. I, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm secure, enough to, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm secure <laughs> enough to hear you. I'm confident enough to let you talk. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's do, let's do therapy now. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I really believe that we attract uh, different aspects of where we're at in the moment. Okay. Now, your potential is tremendous, and you're very high in your potential state, and a lot of what you believe about yourself is part of that potential. But some of where you're presently at, is not mm. so and that is what you're attracting and I don't just mean I'm, I'm saying it to you yes. but it would be true yeah. for every woman that is true of right so you would be attracting to yourself almost like those subconscious parts mm-hmm. that uh, you're not aware of and yet that's what you're going to draw to yourself usually because it's something you still have to figure out about yourself or something you didn't learn yet or some lesson you, you, you want to teach yourself. Uh, there's some reason why you're attracting those kind of guys still. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's something in you. When you look at the guy, kind of see him as a mirror and say, okay, so what part of me has any of that kind of weakness that I can now look at and work on. That's scary. Uh, it's not even, I mean, it's weak men, but it's also, you know, myself and several, a lot of girlfriends that I know, you know, we attract guys that are just not together financially, you know, one sleeping on a couch, one sleeping on a floor mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, it's like, can't we at least get a guy that has a bed? Um, we just seem to fall oh. for guys that don't have it together. Okay, so do you, so do you, uh, let me just ask you this though about you, do you or your girlfriends. Uh-huh. Do you or they have it together financially? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know, but but we're not sleeping on on a floor or you know someone's couch. Only because you wouldn't. Because you wouldn't. You're like above that. 
you know, guys are not about, a lot of guys aren't about that. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't, that'd be sinking too low. You know, well, I mean, a lot of I'm guys saying, can do that. We're they to, can go sleep on a floor but somewhere. But I'm saying we're together enough to have our own, you know, apartment and vehicle, etc. These guys, you know, they either don't have an apartment or a vehicle or a job or something. Okay, but the thing is, it doesn't have to be the same. It's not oh, that we're okay. saying they're the same status as you. We're saying something in you knows that you're not meeting your financial worth. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. Okay. I mean... You know, I'll be honest with you, that's true for me as well. Yeah. And I also have attracted men who were also not meeting their financial worth. Mm-hmm. They were not um, weak men in that way, but they were not meeting their financial worth. And it was, you know, quite annoying to me. Yes, it certainly <laughs> is. It's very annoying. <laughs> but it's quite annoying to me that I'm not. Yes, so it's you know? just a reflection. I get it. Yeah. Okay, so that's what, how you have to see it. So it doesn't have to be the same. You won't do what they do necessarily, yeah. and you'll make your life better than they've made their lives. But what is it equal to in you? Right, because I believe I should be a millionaire by now. Okay, so there you go. So and join my club. That's okay. my club, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Lucia. Listen to this. I, for years, I've been saying, you know, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I have a millionaire mind. I, you know, I, I'm multi. No, I go multi-millionaire. Uh-huh. Okay, come uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. Millionaire. What's million? Multi-millionaire. Right. And then, so I was at an event, and they handed out uh, billion-dollar bills. Wow. And after that event, I started saying, I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, millions? What's millions? I want billions now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we are worthy of it. You know, I think that there's something in us, in women, that block it from coming in, Mm -hmm. the prosperity. You know, actually, I'm kind of looking into this more and more, and because it's important to me personally as well. Well, why don't we, you know, it's important to all women. I, why don't we do this? Why don't you look into it? Because time is up, unfortunately. <laughs> and when you look find, into it and why? And when you find out what the hell's going on with this uh, making money thing, then I'll have you back on the show, and you can enlighten uh, all okay. of us. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so I can spread the wealth. That's right. <laughs> spread the word and the wealth. Okay, so it's been yeah. a great interview. You're a great soul and a great spirit. And, uh, oh, I, I thank love, you so much. I love it was such talking a pleasure to talking to you, Lucia, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, the book is Sex, Lies, and Sabotage, From Relationship Sabotage to Relationship Transformation uh, with Dr. Yeah. Pamela Zimmer. And which website did you want to give? Okay, well, they can either go to www.sexliesandsabotage.com, and if they do that, um, they can take my Love Lie Detector quiz. Okay. Uh, on the site, and then they can um, decide if they want to order the ebook version of it. If they would prefer the hardcover version, they can email me at, I know I'm saying a lot, they can email me at drpamela at sexliesandsabotage.com, and I will provide them with the necessary links. Okay, great. And we'll have those links on our page, so no one needs to worry about missing it. I have to get going. It was so great to uh, talk to you. Thanks for being on. And thank you so much, Lucia. Okay, take And have care. a wonderful day, rest thanks. of the day. Thanks, you too. Okay, Bye. you take care now. Bye. Bye, honey. Bye. Bye. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today. And um, remember, if you would like to read my book, is LessonsOfLove.net, and that is uh, Lucia's Lessons of Love. And until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. <laughs> You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio.